about uh, another group of people that are out doing a really cool thing. Right, right. right. All Thank right. You, sure. you guys give a hand for Caleb. Good morning, HB. How are we doing? We have a contingency of uh, people that are connected to us in a foreign land right now. We have staff from Mariners and our own Kevin Pike in Kenya at this very moment. And uh, thank you, Pike family, for representing. <laughs> and we want to just, we want to, uh, to honor them uh, and pray for them really quick. So I don't know if we have that picture. Do we have a picture of them there? Our, our team, we partner with other churches, leaders around the world. Kenya is one of those places. There is an incredible church in Kenya uh, with leaders that are doing amazing things, and they have taught us a lot. In fact, we borrowed Rooted from them and rewrote it to be more relevant to our culture here, but uh, we learned it from them and some other things as well. So uh, we want to just pray for that team. There's about 30, 35 of them that are there. So will you join me in praying for our friends that are overseas? God, we, we are grateful that you are a God of all nations and all people. And that we get to participate with you here in Huntington Beach and in the work that you're doing around the world. And um, we pray for our friends that are in Kenya right now. God, I ask that you would speak to them, that you would open up their ears to hear you, open up their eyes to see you, and that uh, it would be a profound experience, that you would keep them safe, that you would inspire them with, uh, with the movement of your Holy Spirit that is not just here in Orange County, but it is all over the globe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are kicking off a new series today, going for the next few weeks, uh, called Dear God, and it is, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And the interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer is that it is most, the most famous prayer in all of history. And you have no doubt heard of it. Even if you've deliberately tried to avoid church your whole life, you have heard the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? We can recite it and we will. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is that as, as common as it is, as, as much as we have heard it, we don't really get it. I'm going to suggest to you that you don't really understand the profound impact, potential, opportunity that is in this prayer. And so we are going to take a closer look at that for these next few weeks. It made me think about uh, how my wife hears music on the radio uh, because you have, you know, common songs that we like and that we listen to. Uh, maybe it's a hip-hop song that has a good beat and you like to get down with it. Uh, but you have no idea what these guys are actually saying, right? And so I will catch my wife just like grooving in the car next to me and mumbling words to this song. And I'd be like, do you have any idea what that guy just said? She'd be like, no, 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 I don't know. Do you want to know? No, I don't want to know. I just want to dance to it, right? And so we don't know, we don't know oftentimes the impact, the words that we're saying in these songs. Take, take for instance... Uh, what, what, Mr. Mr. Famous, their most famous song, Kiri Liaison, right? Kiri Liaison. Do you know what that means? It, it means Lord have mercy. So their most famous hit of all time, uh, Kiri Liaison down the road that I must travel, right? You with me? Just like nod if you are familiar with this song. 
people, people just sing the craziest things instead of those words because not only do they not know what they mean, it's Greek and they don't even know how to pronounce it, right? So I did the test on my wife and I said, uh, I'm using this as an example on Sunday just so you know. Like I've warned you, you can't be mad afterwards. Uh, when I say Kiri Liaison, what, what is this, what's that song? How does it go? And she said, oh, that's easy. That's, that's Kiri wears, wears lace upon the road that she must travel. <laughs> Kiri wears lace upon the darkness, whatever. I was like, Kiri wears lace. Okay, all right, okay, so good. My point proven exactly. So I don't, you, don't, and you laugh, but you know you've jacked that song up something fierce. So it is, <laughs> it is just kind of how we are in our culture and we hear this music and we just we we just want to it makes us feel good and so we just bumble words right and we do that with the lord's prayer it has become common maybe you grew up catholic and you recited it but jesus gave it to us as a model for how we should pray not necessarily words to recite but how we should pray think about prayer and think about our connection our connection to our god uh, so let's jump into this. We're, I'm going to give you the intro, and then we're going to just look at the first two words of the prayer itself. Okay? You have it in your notes. I'm going to stop you halfway through. And when you pray, Jesus said to people like us, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Hypocrites. Have you ever run into one? You're looking at one. I mean, we all are a hypocrite to some degree, right? But these, these hypocrites, they, they are the kind of people that thought that their, their religiousness was to be shown, not lived. And so they were more interested in being seen as religious than actually having a connection with their creator. And so they would be on their way to the synagogue, but in order to prove that they were religious and that their prayer mattered so much, they would just burst out in prayer on the street corner as if to say that my prayer is so important, it can't even wait until I get to church, right? You just all need to hear this prayer right now. And that's what Jesus was referring to. Those religious people that wanted to be viewed as special, they wanted to be viewed as close to God. And so I just have to belt out my prayer for all to hear right here and now. And what does that do? That makes other people a little bit intimidated to pray, doesn't it? Maybe you are that kind of a person and you think, well, I, you know, I'm, I see how they pray, and that seems, that seems like, that seems pretty sharp and articulate, and that, it flows nicely. I like the cadence of that guy's prayer, you know? They're like professional prayers, and I'm not one of those. I'm a little bit nervous to, uh, to pray out loud. And that's who Jesus is talking to here. He's saying, actually, don't be like that. That's not what we're looking for. He says, he says in fact, go into your room, which just means this is between you and God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is between you and your designer, your creator. It's not for show. It's not to be announced. It's not a big dramatic thing. Go into your room and connect with God. That's what I, that's what I want for you. Not passive and timid and hiding. There's a place for praying together. We do that all the time. But it's the heart set. It's not to be seen by others. It's not a big demonstration. It's between you and God. 
just in this last week, I've prayed with a couple of different people at different times who I knew by asking them to pray out loud with me that it was a little bit out of the comfort zone. It was a little bit challenging. And why is that? Because, because we think that, that a pastor is the one who prays, right? That, that it's a professional thing. I want, I want you to hear and believe that your prayer, your connection with God, your talking to God is every bit and maybe oftentimes more. It's, it, it, there is no difference between your prayer, my prayer, Billy Graham's prayer, Mother Teresa's prayer. And Jesus is making that clear right now. And in fact, he says, your goal should not be to get better at prayer. Your goal should not be to be more articulate when you pray. Your goal should be to connect with your God. And we can all do that on the same level right now, in this moment, at any moment, at any time in our lives. And Jesus is driving this point home. And then he goes on. So this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're going to focus in on just those first two words, our Father. Our Father that Jesus invites us to pray to his father, and he calls him our father. In Aramaic, the word here that's used is Abba, which means literally, it's kind of an intimate expression, it means daddy. And many of you have probably heard that before, Abba, father, and that means daddy, and it's kind of this connection. But but I know people in my own family, I know that many of you have had some kind of strained relationship with dad. And so the idea of praying to daddy, maybe that's a little bit tainted. Maybe that's, maybe that's not as comfortable. Maybe that doesn't feel as good. You'd rather think of him in some other way than as this intimate daddy. And I just want to ex- express that that's real, and I know that a lot of you are there. I, I had a great, you know model of a dad. I, I have a good relationship with my dad. My dad was and is a great man, and uh, he was very present with me and my two younger brothers. He worked for an organization called Young Life for 30 years. Now he's a pastor in Scottsdale. Anytime you go and you want to visit Scottsdale, you let me know. I'll tell you where his church is. You can hit him up, but don't go in the summer. Uh, it's stupid. It's, <laughs> that, is a, that is a terrible decision. Uh, they will tell you, it's just a dry heat. I don't know. It's a dry heat that will melt you. Uh, you know, but in the fall or the winter, if you want to go visit, I'll tell you where he's at, and, uh, and you can go and, and meet him. Uh, growing up, being in this kind of ministry environment with Young Life, uh, he, you know, in, uh, many of you in your different roles and, and vocations, and you have this kind of thing where your job is never done. That, that's kind of the way it is in full-time ministry, so there's always another person to love on, to pray with, another, you know. And so he, he was intentional about taking us with him whenever he could. So I remember growing up, uh, being at a Young Life camp, and my dad would take us along when he had to go do the rounds, make sure high school kids weren't, you know, doing the nano, as my wife says, doing the naughty stuff, like in the bushes. Like, he would be patrolling, right? And, and he would take me with, I don't know, maybe cover, cover my eyes real quick if we stumbled upon something. But I, I would remember vividly being 
in being with him in the auditorium in the dining hall when we would eat. Uh, every day, every week while we were at this camp, he would go up there and he would pray for the meal. And so 400 kids and high school students, and he would pray for the meal and say, you know, and everybody said, and then he would hold up the mic to me. I would be sitting on his shoulders, and I would say, amen. Right? And so my dad would take me along and make me feel like I was a part of things. Uh, and I remember also when he would come home from work, I would go and I would sit at the street corner. My mom would say, all right, your dad's on his way. And I didn't know in my little mind if that was like two minutes or 20 minutes or two hours, but I would walk down the street because I knew the street that he turned down to get there. And I would sit on the little uh, electrical uh, post thing, and I would just wait for him, wait till Dad came. And we'd come around the corner. He'd always come slow because he knew I was probably going to be there. And he'd slow down, and he'd open the door, and I'd jump in, and I'd just ride the rest of the way down the, down the street with him to the house. I remember this other time when uh, I was, like I said, the oldest of three boys. So when the third one came along, I, I was starting to feel a little less special you know, like, I don't know if you can relate to that, but, but when you're the only child, it's all you. And then the second one comes along, and then you're sharing the, sharing the glory. But you're like, okay, well, at least, you know, they're giving me some responsibility. I kind of watch over this one. I can handle that. The third one comes along, you're like, what the? This is not what I signed up for. I mean, it, it, who is this kid? And everyone thinks he's so cute. And, and, so, uh, and so I remember going into my dad's office uh, when I was about six or seven years old. And I had this thing, this eldest child thing, I don't know, I still have it in some ways, uh, where I just desperately wanted to be a favorite, you know? And I remember going into his office, and I just kind of timidly, probably with my little blankie for security, said, Dad, you know, now that you know, Josh was born and now that Aaron has been born, um, I was just wondering if I could still be your favorite. <laughs> don't judge me. I know. <laughs> There's therapy for people like me. But I don't remember what the man said. But I remember walking out of his office on cloud nine. I felt like somehow I knew that my dad, growing up, loved us all the same. But somehow he still made me feel like a favorite. Friends, Abba, Father. Somehow, way beyond the capacity of our human fathers, even mine, even yours, if he was great, if he was average, if he was bad, Abba Father, our Heavenly Father, has this unbelievable and infinite capacity that we can't comprehend to love us each as favorites, that you are a favorite in your Heavenly Father's eyes. And Jesus invites us to address him like this, Daddy, can I be your favorite? Daddy, we come to him like that when we enter into prayer. And then let's look at John 14. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to this Father except through me. If you knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that there's some scary stuff in the Old Testament, right? I mean, there's some weird things where God gets upset at people, and all of a sudden, they're pulverized. They're, like, wiped off the face of the earth. The land opens up, and people fall in. There's, there's some crazy things. So I know that for many of you growing up, you felt like God was this distant kind of cosmic enforcer of 
you know, keeping people in line, right? And so it's kind of, it can be an interesting thing to pray to this God and to think, okay, that God of the Old Testament is kind of scary. How, how do I pray to this God? Now, that God is still the same God who is the creator of all things. He created us. He holds this whole planet in, in balance. He keeps air in our lungs. We should, at some level, fear in a reverent kind of respect way that God. And yet, Jesus says, if you want to know God the Father, look at me. Look at me, he says. Jesus became the embodiment of this God. So, so you, we, we know the stories, we know all that, we, but if you really want a glimpse of who we're talking to when we pray, we look at Jesus. We look at the God, he says. We look at him, the God who died for us, the God who healed the broken, the God who gave sight and, and restored people to wholeness, the God who made wine and made parties a lot better when he showed up to them, the God who hung out with people like you and me and, and a lot of messed up folks. We look at that God, that Jesus, to get a picture of who he is. And, and that's that is still a struggle for us, and that's always been a struggle for people. And look at what Philip said. It goes on. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered him, don't you know me? Don't you get it, Philip? What I'm trying to tell you is even after I have been among you for such a long time, don't you get it? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? And that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who does his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Back to this prayer thing. So somewhere at this kind of mysterious place where we pray and talk to God and ask him for things, there is this relationship of a father and this Jesus, and they are one, and they are one in the same and in each other. And when he says... When you pray in my name, what he is saying is when you pray in unity with us, you can ask me for anything, and if it's aligned with my will, it's going to be done. Miraculous things will be done. Last passage. This is important here. This is John 17. My prayer, this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus praying right before he goes to the cross. This is his last prayer before he goes to the cross. He's, he's praying for his disciples, and then right here he prays for all people. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, through his disciples' message, P.S., that's us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, there it is again, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to unity, and then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Okay. 
I brought some Tupperware. It's not a pitch. I'm not selling it. It's not a pyramid scheme. Uh, I thought that this is a necessary way to explain what is happening here. I saw this a little while ago, a number of years ago, and it changed my life and kind of how I viewed my relationship with God. What we read just then is that we have this God. I have, you know I always have a pen with me. And today I have a Sharpie with me. So I'm writing Abba on this too, okay? So we have this Abba Father. And he makes it clear, Jesus makes it clear, that not only do we have this God of the universe, this this creator God who keeps everything spinning around and keeps life in our life. Not only is that God in existence, but there is also this Jesus. And we know that there is, that Jesus is in God and God is in him. Abba Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in him. So visually, I mean, stay with me here. There's no, if you're still looking for like snacks, they're not in here. This is just empty Tupperware, okay? Uh, We have this picture of Jesus in the Father, okay? And then it goes on. We have, we have you. This is you. This is me. This, uh, if, I, if I had the time, I'd write each of our names on here. You can go do this at home and, you know, keep it on your shelf. Your wife, like mine, might be a little bit frustrated because no one wants to eat casserole out of God. They're just, it just <laughs> feels like we are not using this Tupperware again except for illustration purposes. So, so but do what you want. So, so here is you. What we just saw. This, this is you. This is your life. You, you have this lid. And what we just read is that I, he's, as he's praying, he says, I am in them as I am in you. So, so here's Jesus. This one gets smaller, so I just, I just put a cross on it. You probably can't see it in the back, but trust me, it's there. So, so here is Jesus. In Colossians 1.26, it says that there has been this great mystery that has been kept hidden throughout all generations but is now disclosed to the saints. This great mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that he put his very own spirit and self in us. And we have this ongoing, inside-out connection to this creator of the universe, this mysterious God. And yet this intimate Abba, Daddy, Father, right, in us. And it says he is in us, and we also read that we are in him. So we've got God in us, and then us now in this Jesus. This is, this is like, this is like, Tupperware celebration, like, good boy. Look, so, so when you think about your life, do you see it wrapped in God? And the fact that then Jesus and the Father are one, and Jesus is in God, and God is in him. And so, and so when you think about praying, do you realize that you are praying to a God that is within you, that you are praying to a God that is around you, and that you are praying to a God that is in all things? Do you realize that, that when you try, it's, it's hard to even see you anymore, right? All, I mean, you're just looking through a whole lot of God. You've got a God that's wrapping up this picture, and you've got Jesus that's surrounding who you are in the essence of your being, and that he has placed his Holy Spirit inside of you. 
in this Tupperware picnic love fest. And when Jesus, when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see Caleb the screw-up that messed up his life in so many ways, that keeps struggling, that, that, you know, gets tripped up time and time again. He doesn't see that. When he looks at us, when he looks at you, he sees him. He sees Jesus because we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. And so, and so when we pray, and when we call out to God, and when we feel like our prayers are hitting the ceiling, you need only remember that you are Tupperware, that God has you sealed and wrapped up, and he has himself in you and you in him, and that you only have to begin to think to utter a prayer, and he knows it. And when you feel like you are discouraged and disconnected from God, you just need to remember that he is all up in you and around you and keeping this whole thing according to who he is. That you are forever and inseparably connected. And when you pray and you feel like, I don't even, he doesn't even want it. I'm not hearing anything, but I just feel like I can't connect. You need to remember that this is true of you. That there is nowhere you can go, that there is nothing you can do, because he has put himself in you, and you in him. And Jesus, this Jesus who died for us, is one with this Father. And so when we pray, Abba, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This, this mysterious prayer that has been uttered for generations and hundreds and thousands of years takes on a whole new meaning, and it becomes so personal because it's so much about who you are in him and what he's done and how he has sealed this relationship with us for all of eternity. And I know that some of you are here, and you're like, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure I'm Tupperware yet. <laughs> I'm not sure that, I've, that I have this going on. And it's simple. We're going to pray in just a second. I'm just going to give you the opportunity to say yes. All you do is just say yes. God, this is what I want. I want connection with you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to put your spirit in me and put me in you, and I want that oneness that oneness that you talk about with each other, that oneness that you talk about with you, that's what I want. I don't want these, I don't want to keep praying these prayers that feel like I'm, they're just floating out in the universe. I want to be confident that I too have your spirit in me and that I'm surrounded by you and that we're in this thing with Abba Father as well. If that's you, let's just, Let's just pray together right now. You just say, yes, God. Yes, I want this. And the rest of us. Let's think about connecting with him in a new way. Realizing that as we pray, it's insanely personal. He is indescribably close, closer than your next breath. God, For my friends here who maybe are not sure about their relationship with you, I just pray that you would inspire them by your Holy Spirit right now to say yes, to say I'm in. I want, 
I want the Tupperware life. I want you. I want to surrender my heart, my soul to you in this moment. And God, for the rest of us, we too, we say, God, teach us to pray. We want intimacy and connection with you. And now, God, open up our eyes to see what you have done. Show us this reality that as you are in the Father, we are in you, and you are in us. And as we go today, remind us of that. Remind us of your incredible closeness, that the hope of the world is living in us.